If, we could, uh, if I could just have you repeat after me real quick, uh, we did not come to church today. Can you say that? We did not come to church today uh, because we are the church. Okay, we didn't come to church today because we are the church. Can you just look at someone next to you and say that just to be reminded that it's not about a place, it's a people that we are. We will be hearing from um, each of these uh, people who stood up here uh, in time as they share about their journey to our church and how God has been working in them and led them to this point in their lives. And so we can uh, anticipate that and be excited for that. Uh, I um, yeah, should say that we are coming to the end. Today is the last day of our series on what a friend we have in Jesus. Uh, throughout the past 11 weeks, today being the 12th week, we've looked at different different encounters that Jesus had with people as he lived in that three-and-a-half-year ministry period uh, before he uh, was crucified and ascended into glory. If you ask a leper who hadn't experienced human touch for many years, if you ask a woman who'd been bleeding for the past 12 years and was ostracized by her community, if you ask a guy on the Gentile side of the Sea of Galilee who had been so possessed by demons that everyone had given up on him and left him to die in the tombs, in the cliffs by the sea. If you ask a disciple who swore that he would never deny Jesus and who failed and he failed and he failed, all of these people amongst other people would say that there's no friend in the world like Jesus. And the great gift of what we have in Scripture is that we can see the kind of friend that Jesus is. But I think through this sermon series, my hope and my aim would be to, to show that the greater gift in all of this to you and to me is not only what a friend Jesus was to people back then, but to know that Jesus wants to be this kind of friend to you today. That Jesus wants to be this kind of friend to Christian, and Jesus wants to be this kind of friend to Jonathan, and Jesus wants to be this kind of friend to Kaylin, that Jesus wants to be this kind of friend to Joyce, and that's the kind of friend that Jesus wants to be to each of us here, because the Word of God is timeless, and yet it is so timely for our day today. What does that mean? And what I want to do as I end this series is I want to help us to see why I believe with all of my heart that having a friend like Jesus right now in the place we are, in America, in the 21st century, we need Jesus as a friend more than we ever have. Why do I say that? Well, because there is a, an epidemic in our nation that most people would say has reached just epic proportion. It is the challenge and the disease of anxiety within our world particularly within our nation. National Institute for Mental Health, you could Google that and they could tell you all kinds of information about it, but America is swimming in anxiety. They said this is the number one mental health issue for women in America, it's anxiety. For men, it is number two, okay, behind alcohol and drug abuse. For children living in America right now, children living in America, the studies from the National Institute for Mental Health, this is what it said. It said children in America have the same levels of stress and anxiety today that the average patient in a psychiatric ward had in the 1950s. We are swimming in this kind of anxiety. In fact, they say that America as a nation, when compared to other nations of the world, other nations of the world have 20% 
the levels of anxiety as Americans do. There's something deeply wrong with the way that we're doing life here in America. We are tired, we are burdened, we are overworked. What does, what does Jesus have to say then to people who are anxious, who are burdened? What does Jesus offer to people who are cynical from all of this, who are di discouraged, who are depressed, who feel empty, who feel like they're running on fumes, who feel like they can't make it to the next whatever it is that they're trying to get to. What is Jesus, not only, not only does what does Jesus say, because you can hear all of that stuff, but what I want to talk about today is what does Jesus offer to you? Is anyone feeling tired today? Yeah, thank you for a couple. Because if we're tired, then there's an offer that Jesus has for you and for me. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Matthew 28, verses 11 through 30, and I want to read to you from this gracious invitation. Uh, I was reflecting on these passages as we were reading through gentle and lowly as we're going through our three-strand prayer meetings, and I had it in my heart that I wanted to talk about Jesus being gentle and lowly, but as the more I, I, I just meditated on this passage, I just kind of diverted from what I wanted to talk about and just wanted to press hard on this invitation to those who are tired and those who are weary and those who are burdened. And so I want to read from the words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. This is the word of God for the people of God, particularly for the weary and burdened people of God. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. This is God's word. Good news yeah, for the people of God. What does Jesus offer then to those of us who feel like, man, you know what? I just feel beat up, tired, worn down, worn out, exhausted, fatigued. What does Jesus offer to you and to me. He doesn't say, come to me and I'll give you an all-expense-paid trip to Cancun. <laughs> he doesn't do that. That would be kind of nice, right? He doesn't offer you a lifetime supply of Calgon to take you away because once you get taken away, you have to come back. He doesn't offer you a trip to Kokomo. That's where we want to go to get away from it all. place called Kokomo, but once you get away, you've got to come back to reality. Jesus doesn't offer us the wings of Red Bull because when the wings run out, the crash comes. Jesus offers us a kind of rest that is far deeper than anything that this world could ever give to you that is not temporary, but a new way of going through life that will lead you to soul rest. Anyone need that? I need that today. So if, if, if just it's just the three of us, then I'm going after the 90, leaving the 99 to go after three. But I think there's a lot more of us because Jesus says so here. He said, all who are weary, there's many of us. What do we see? Three things that Jesus sees. Jesus says three things that we need to understand. Here's the first thing. Jesus' invitation is to anyone who will admit that they're tired. If you don't admit that you're tired, if you don't think that you're tired, if you don't acknowledge that you're tired, then you're just going to skip over chapter 11 and go to chapter 12 and move on and miss out on this invitation. But if you come to acknowledge, hey, I'm tired, and I'm tired, then Jesus has something for you. I get invitations all the time in my email. So do you, probably, if you signed up for 
credit card alerts or bank statements or different Amazon or eBay accounts, you'll get emails that are inviting you to things. I was looking through my email to see how many times the word invite or invitation came up, and it was a lot. I got invited to a lot of things. I'm really popular and loved by these places. I got invited. There was one that said, you are invited. The celebration starts with you. It's like, yes, if I'm not there, they can't have a celebration. What is this? So I clicked on it. You are invited to American Airlines' 40th anniversary celebration. I was like, this is amazing. What do you need me to do? What do I do? What do I get? Do I get candy? Do I get a cake? Do I get free tickets to travel around the world? They said, here's what you get. You get a thank you video. That's what I get. So I deleted that thing, and I said, no, I don't want to go. Thank you very much. I will celebrate with you in my own ways, but I'm not going anywhere. I get invitations all the time. My credit card invited me to these new dining experiences. I deleted that one right away. Hertz invited me to a celebration as they became the number one rated rental car company. They wanted me to come and celebrate with them. They invited me to I said, no, thank you. That's okay. I was invited to a conversation with thousands of other people to talk about healthcare in America. I didn't want to go to that one. I was invited to join this cohort group of pastors with hundreds of other people being led by this man. I was like, no, that's okay. I deleted it. A lot of invitations come across my way. Why? Because they're, quite frankly, don't feel all that relevant to me. Invitations only mean something if you care about them or if that has anything to do with the way that you live life. (laughs) The invitation of Jesus, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Jesus is inviting us to him. And the question is, are you going to delete that invitation and move on to the next message? Or are you going to realize that maybe Jesus has something for you? The invitation of Jesus is for anyone who will admit that they're weary, that they're tired, and they need something else. Is anyone feeling tired today? Can we do this? Can you look at the person next to you and just say, I'm tired. Can you do that? I'm tired. Uh, Those who are worshiping online, if you can't hear anything, it's because the people in our congregation are tired and their voices are weak. We're a tired people, at least if you are like the majority of people in America. The invitation that Jesus gives is to those who are weary and burdened. Can we break that up a little bit? Some of you may be Greek scholars here, but I just want to tell you, for, for those of us who are not, here's what weary means. In the original language, weary means someone who is working and working and working and working, and there's no end in sight, and there has been no break. Anyone feel weary? Okay, we're not talking just about a physical tiredness, a physical weariness. This is talking about, like, I am bone tired. I am soul, like my soul is tired. You feel like your soul is weary because you've just been going, working, doing all of these things, and there's just been no break for you emotionally in your soul. And I'm sure there are people like feel like that. You're weary from taking care of your family all of the time. You're weary because you've been a mom for 25 years, and there just seems to, there has been no break, no break. You're weary. You're weary because you're taking classes at school and you feel like you've got to keep up with the Joneses. You've got to keep up with the person next to you to keep your GPA up because there are expectations that have been placed on you. 
You're weary because of the things that you're doing and going through in life because you're caring for a sick family member at home or you're caring for aging parents and, and you're just weary in your soul. You just feel like there's no break. As soon as I go out for a break, at just a night with my friends, I come back home and the kids are fighting and the house is a mess. I was feeling okay for a second, but now my soul is weary again. The invitation is for anyone who would say, yeah, you know what, Jesus, that's me. I'm weary. I'm weary. I'm weary. It's an active weariness because of the work that you're doing. Jesus doesn't just say all you who are weary, but he says all you who are burdened as well. Some of you feel burdened. You see, the difference between weariness is weariness is from your work. Burden is because of things placed upon you, right? Someone put a burden on you. Like, I didn't expect this when I got married, but now I've got saddled with all of this debt, and I've got to work harder in order to pay this off. There is a burden on you that you feel like is just crushing your soul, and you feel like, man, this is so much of a load on me. It's the picture of a camel, and a camel's got to go from Orlando to, to Fort Lauderdale, and they've got to go, and they've got to carry straw down to Fort Lauderdale, and you've saddled up this camel, and this camel's like, oh my gosh, this is so heavy, and you're like, just one more, just a little bit more, just a little bit more, and you put one more thing of straw, and it breaks the camel's back. And you feel like you're either one straw away from being broken or you feel like you've long been there. You can't move. You can't get from point A to point B. You can't do the things that you're supposed to do and you just feel like your soul has been crippled. You feel like that ever? Because if you feel like that and you're willing to admit that you feel like that, then Jesus has a gracious invitation for you that could change everything today. My goodness, this is amazing news for us. Some of us feel tired, we're either weary or we're burdened. When you put these two pictures together, what Jesus is saying is some of you are weary because of your work and some of you are weary because of your world. Weary because of things you're doing, weary because of things that have been placed upon you. Some of you are tired because you're trying to be somebody that you're not. You're trying to have the right social media look. That's why you have 18,000 pictures on your phone of which you post three because you're trying to get the right look that everybody wants you to have. You're weary because you're trying to keep up with the number of friends that other people have. You're weary because you're trying to make more money because for some reason there's a gnawing in your soul that this money that I have is not enough even though you've got so much more than you know what to do with. You're weary because you're trying to uh, live up to the expectations of mom and dad at school, and you just feel like, yeah, my older brother was smarter, my older sister was smarter, I'm not that smart, I just can't do it, and you feel like your soul is being crushed. You're tired, not in your body. You're tired in your soul. I was talking with a, a pastor up north earlier this week, and part of the conversation, just a snippet of it, if I could let you into it, he said, you know what, DL, I'm just, I'm tired. I'm tired, and I'm running on fumes, and he said, I don't think I'm going to make it through the holidays. Oh, my goodness, that's right. <laughs> We're coming up on the holidays, Thanksgiving, people coming in town, you traveling, parties, all that stuff, and we're supposed to be celebrating the greatest day in history that God came near but you just feel like you can't even celebrate because your soul just feels so tired. I was talking with someone the other day, 
and they were talking about some family squabble that they were having with someone in their life, and they were just like, communication is breaking down. I feel so cynical about all these things. I feel like I don't have hope in this relationship. All of these things that are happening. And then at the end, they said, you know what? I'll be honest, Pastor. Maybe I'm making too much of a, big th- of a little thing. And then they said, I'm just tired. I'm just tired from work. I'm just tired from my family. Just tired from doing stuff at church. I'm just, I'm just tired. And the greatest thing that this person had was the acknowledgement that they're tired. <laughs> because you see, the, the best thing for all the things that everyone we've looked at through these past 11 weeks had, they had a lot of bad things in their lives. They were shady people. They were sinful people. They were scorned people. They were shamed people. But the one thing they had going for themselves was that they knew that their present way of doing life wasn't going to work. And so they came to Jesus. First thing that we see is that Jesus' invitation is for anyone who would admit that they're tired. Is that you? Second thing that we see, okay, before we get to what Jesus offers, just a little diagnostic of the heart. Here's what Jesus says, and, and, and the way that it's phrased, I don't want you to take this as a blanket universal statement, but you're not tired because you're doing too much, per se. Okay? You're tired because you're doing it alone. That's what Jesus is saying in verse 29. Listen, we all have responsibilities. We're all, we've all got work to do. We've all got school to do. We've all got parenting if you're a parent. We've all got marriages if you're a We all have those things. The problem is not that you've got too much to do. The problem is that you're doing it all by yourself. That's what Jesus is saying. And that's his invitation to come to him. L- listen again. He says, come to me, all you who are weary. That means I'm tired from my what? From my work. <laughs> and your burdened, like there is a weight on me. I'm tired from work. I'm tired from the weight that is on me. To such people, what Jesus says doesn't seem to make sense. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you. What in the world does Jesus mean by that? A yoke, Y-O-K-E, differentiated from Y-O-L-K, is not a part of an egg. A yoke was a symbol of work. So to a people who are already weary from work, Jesus says, take my work upon you. To a people who are already burdened, Jesus says, put this yoke on you. You're like, Jesus, this doesn't make any sense. A lot of things that Jesus said didn't make sense because he came to turn an upside-down world right side up. That's what Jesus came to do. So he's saying, it's not about what you're doing. There's a better way to do it is what Jesus is saying. What does that mean? How can it be that if I'm already swimming and drowning in all of this stuff, that you throw something else on me and tell me to work harder? Jesus didn't say, work harder. Here's what he said, because you understand this in a different context. You understand if you're in the middle of an ocean and you're having a hard time swimming, you're struggling, you can't barely keep your head afloat, you're working, you're burdened, you're weary, someone throws something at you and says, put this on you, you understand what it means then, that something that you put on will actually be your salvation. What Jesus is doing to those of us who are weary, burdened, tired, drowning in the ocean of our whatever it is that we're drowning in, 
Jesus is throwing you and me a life preserver. And he says, hold on to it because this will save you. Think about the other way. How are you doing life? You're weary, you're tired. You extend that out. Can you do it another two years? Can you do it another two months? Can you do it another five years? Can you do it until you're 80 years old? It's not working out very well. Jesus comes to invite you to a better way. He says, take my yoke upon you. What was a yoke? It was, where, it was this big wooden block that, you would, that had holes in it and two ox beasts of burden would stick their heads into it and then that would be attached to a plow behind them. And these beasts of burden, these oxen, would move throughout the field and they would plow the field by virtue of their strength rather than the strength of a farmer working his plow by himself. In other words, what Jesus is saying is when you join me in my yoke, you're attaching yourself to my power that is not available to you if you're not coming to me right now. <laughs> let, me, let me put it simpler. Jesus is saying, if you feel weary or burdened today, the reason is because you're not yoked to Jesus. That's what he's saying. You might say, well, of course I am. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a disciple. I became a member of our church. I serve faithfully. That's not what Jesus is saying. To be yoked to Jesus means you've got to walk with him. This is only for those who are fully committed to him. If Jesus is going on ahead of you and you're back here, the yoke is not going to work. You're not going to do its work. It's not going to work. It doesn't work that way. Unless you are committed fully to Jesus, you're not going to be able to experience what he promises to you. Let me illustrate it this way. If you've ever been to Disney, within the Disney empire, there is a place called Boardwalk. Has anyone been to Disney Boardwalk? Okay. A few of us have. You go to Disney Boardwalk, there's a bunch of different things that you could do, but one of those things is you could rent bicycles, and this is really fun. You could rent bicycles, and they have these things called tandem bicycles, which is a bicycle that looks like it got stretched really long, and it's got two seats, and it's got extra wheels and extra pedals. So two people ride this thing together. If you've ever been there, you could try it. This would be a great learning exercise in illustrating Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 to the next person you come across who's weary and heavy burdened. We have a couple in our church who, on their honeymoon, <laughs> they went to San Francisco. San Francisco, home of rice aroni, but also the home of the curviest, most hilly roads in America. And so they decided they were going to ride a tandem bicycle. And they rode the tandem bicycle and they did their thing. Now, the woman, I think she would probably acknowledge that she may not be the most athletically inclined person. Uh, she sat on that and she did the bicycle built for two with her husband. And if you ask the woman, how was that? How was it? Oh, we did a tandem bicycle. How was it tandem? It wasn't so hard, right? She's like, no, it was so easy. It was like the best thing. I was free and I was loving it. and It was amazing. I even, as we were going up the hills, I could even take my feet off the pedal and I just kept on going. It was an amazing thing. I loved a bicycle built for two. You ask her husband, how was that tandem bicycle through the windy, curvy, hilly roads of San Francisco? He would say, it was death. It was the worst thing ever. Because my wife took her feet off of the pedals, I was doing everything, and it was the hardest thing you could ever imagine. I will never do that bicycle built for two again. Jesus is saying, life is a tandem bicycle. And for the majority of us in America, you're trying to ride that bicycle uphill all by yourself. 
That's why you're so tired and that's why you're ready to throw in the towel. And Jesus says, guys, <laughs> come onto my bike. Come onto my bike. Lift your feet up. Just come. I'll pedal. Uphill, downhill, all that stuff. I'll keep you. I'll keep you. I'll, I'll guard you. I'm a good guide. I'm a faithful guide. Don't do it all by yourself. The reason we're so tired, brothers and sisters, friends, is not because we're necessarily working too hard. Some of y'all ain't working hard, but you're tired. The main reason Jesus says that we're so tired is not because we're working too hard or we're doing too much. It's because we're working alone because we're doing it alone. That's what Jesus says. Are you tired? Can you see that? How have you been doing the work of God? Because the way we do the work of God can easily destroy the work of God in us. How are you doing the work that God's entrusted to you? How are you doing the school that God's entrusted to you? If you're tired, Jesus says there's a much better way of going through life. So the third thing and the last thing that we see is that Jesus invites anyone, all of us, to come to him to find rest. Okay, Jesus invites all of us who will come find rest in him. Jesus says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened. He doesn't say, guys, limited time offer. <laughs> Today is 11-21-21, special, one and two, binary day. Okay, this is a special. Come today and for the, for the rest of this month until Thanksgiving. You come to me and I'll give you rest. If he said that, would you do that? I would do that totally. First hundred people, I'd sign up for that. But Jesus throws the doors wide open. He says, all who are weary and burdened, all who are beat up by work, all who are beat up by the world, all who feel like your soul is so tired. He says, come. And the promise of Jesus is that I will give you rest. Far deeper than a new Tempur-Pedic bed could ever give you. Far more lasting than a vacation at sea, than an all-expenses-paid cruise. Far more, far deeper than we, we could imagine. See, Jesus says, what do we need to do? He says, come to me. Can I tell you what he doesn't say? He doesn't say, come to church. You can come to church. Like, you should come to church. But you could come to, some of you are coming to church and you're still weary. He doesn't say, come to a counselor. Some of you go going to a counselor and you're still weary. He doesn't say, come to a house church or come to a pastor or come to a leader or come to a friend. All of those things are important aspects of our mental, emotional, spiritual health. I would be the first to tell you that. I've, 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 I've been through all of these things and found help for my soul in every way through those. But those things, if they ultimately do not bring us closer to Jesus, will not be leading us to the deepest, ultimate source of rest that we need. So you could be coming to church and never ever coming to Jesus. Jesus says, come to me. Not to religion, not to more duty, not to more works. He says, come to me. He doesn't say, serve me. He doesn't say, think about me. He doesn't say, read about me. All of those things, again, are good, but if it doesn't get you to Jesus, you're not going to find the rest that you need. Jesus says, come to me. 
all who are weary and burdened. Now I give you rest. Can I tell you, you could know this in your mind, but unless you know it in your heart, it's not going to affect the way that you move and live and, do, and have your being. I don't want to I don't want to practice what I don't preach, ever. Like, I want to preach it, but I want to live it too. But I tell you, this is hard for me. Because I don't always want to go to Jesus when I'm tired. Sometimes I just want to do more. Sometimes I just want to do more and thinking in some, in some foolish way that if I do more, that it's going to lead my soul to rest. It doesn't. I don't believe God wants me to practice what I or to practice what I don't preach, or to not practice what I do preach. And so sometimes in God's grace, he lets my life become an illustration. I'm glad it's not like the way of Hosea, but this was a different way, right? So my life this week, like through the years of doing ministry, I, I've, I've learned a little thing or two about myself. I used to think that being a, a, a minister of the gospel means that you're available at all times to all people so that by all means you might save some. Someone says, hey, I need your help. All right, I'll go. I'll leave everything behind and I'll go, even at the detriment of other responsibilities that I have, including my own faith, including my, including my own health. Hey, I need you. I need you. So I drop everything and I come. But I've realized something through the years that when that happens at a regular rate and there are no boundaries in my life, I don't become very helpful to the person who asked me for help, nor to anyone else whom I might be called in relationship with. And so I learned that, I think within my life, I could foreseeably in a given week, given all the things that are going on in a given week, I could meet about like five to seven people and talk with them and pray with them and do counseling. That's, that's, that's kind of the range, right? About five to seven people without neglecting or shirking other responsibilities. I think I can do that. This week, though, I think uh, I got my butt kicked hard. Just a confluence of a lot of different things, membership and all that stuff. But this week, on my calendar, within a six-day period, there's 15 meetings. That's not like uh, prayer meetings or morning prayer meetings or we've got meetings with our presbytery to prepare for church. It's just 15 individuals. Let's sit across the table at a coffee shop or at a lunch place and, and let's talk and, and, and just talk shop. So two to three times more my regular load. I was tired, I was weary, I was burdened. And then we still had our prayer meetings. We had our morning prayer on Saturday. We had our administrative committee meeting. We had our planning for next year and getting our annual plan in order. We had, oh, and, and preparing for this sermon and all of the other things that go into my weekly schedule. And in the midst of it all, there were several saving graces in my life. Number one was that this is the passage that I'm preaching this week. And so every day as I'm meditating on the passage, as I'm driving, thinking, constantly thinking about what does this mean? What are the pictures? What is God, what is God wanting to say in my soul? I just heard a constant invitation. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. So Jesus was forcing me, hey, don't just, don't just tell people what you believe. Don't just tell them what I said. You've got to do it. You've got to live it. The other saving grace was that we finished last week. You remember we finished the three-strand prayer meeting, and we were 
waking up in the morning and praying and, and the invitation of Jesus through the book that we read in the first chapter was, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. And I remember hearing that each morning and as we were waking up at 5.30 and, and, and getting ready and praying and all that stuff, like each morning for those 10 days, I just felt this just beautiful presence of God. So I was praying for you and I was praying for me and I was praying for my family and I was praying for our church and praying for the things that I uh, that are on my plate and on my heart. I just felt the beautiful rest of Jesus in that place. Come to me. Come to me, and I will give you rest. And as we finished our three-strand prayer last week on Thursday, I just felt like, man, I want to just, I'm going to continue to just wake up and find rest. And in the midst of a week that was probably pretty crazy, pretty wearisome and pretty burdensome, I felt like God was giving me a deep sense of rest in my soul that my soul desperately needed. Otherwise, many meetings ago, the straw would have broke this camel's back. But the invitation of Jesus to come, just come to me. Like I say this not to boast in how busy I am. It's the, I'm not usually like that. It's not like that. In fact, I say that to my shame. It's bad planning. It's terrible boundaries. But I had to do it this week. But I say this to say that when you come and receive the invitation of Jesus, there is a promised rest that maybe you and I do not know about when we're doing it all alone on our bicycle built for two. Because you see, Jesus was carrying my burdens for me, and I know that he would, I knew that he would, and you know that he would because he carried the heaviest burden that we could ever carry, the weight and the guilt and the shame of our sin. And he carried it in an old cross and he walked uphill to Calvary. And he stood in your place and he stood in my place as not only a substitute, but a sacrifice for the remission of sin so that the burden of guilt forever wiped away, our slate forever wiped, not only clean, but the righteousness of God poured into us that we are the delight of the Father that that burden has been lifted. We don't need to prove it. We don't need to earn it. We don't need to show God that we're worthy. We can just live in the glorious freedom because the burden has been lifted. He has paid it all. He went through eternal unrest so that you and I could have eternal rest and we could experience that even in the midst of this temporal world. The invitation is to come if you know that you're tired. Don't let it go in one ear and out the other ear. I plead with you. Because life could be so much better. Sometimes when my family's out at night, we'd have meetings and we get home late at night. We're driving home in our minivan and one of our three kids invariably, usually the youngest, will fall asleep in the back of the car. And so when we stopped the car at our home, our two older kids would usually jump out of the car and would jump in and get ready for bed. And the little one would be sitting back there either sleeping or pretending to be sleeping. <laughs> and so we'll say, at least we're home, okay? We're home. It's time to get out. And with her eyes closed, she'll just stay back there. Okay, at least it's time. It's time to come out. We've got to go home now. We are home. And she'll say, and if she says something, she will say, I'm tired. So I'll open up the back door and I'll go back there. I can't go all the way back there to the back seat to lift her up and to pick her up because I'm like my body doesn't physically fit back there. So I'll, say, I'll, I'll go to the middle seat and I'll say, Elise, Elise, come on, let's go. And she'll say, I, I'm, I'm too tired. 
so that I'll say, Elise, can you just come to Daddy? Just take one step. Just come to Daddy, and I'll carry you. And the next thing you'll know is that you'll have woken up after getting the rest that you need. This morning, Jesus is inviting all of you, as you're sitting in the place you are, to just come to him and say, Jesus, you know what? I'm tired. I'm tired from all the fighting at home. I'm tired from the battles that I have with my mom. I'm tired from having to take care of this and that. I'm tired of doing all of this. Jesus, I'm tired. And Jesus says, just come to me. Just come to me. That's it. Just come to me. And I will give you rest. Let's pray together. My brothers and sisters, my dearly beloved, whom I love and care for and pray for, are you tired today? Tired from the expectations? Tired from disappointment? Tired from trying to make the relationships work? Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Can you just do that today? Just come to Jesus. That's it. One step. Just come to Jesus. He'll put you up on a bike and he'll lead you. He's stronger than you are. He'll do the work for you. Let's pray together. Let's just talk to Jesus. Come to him as you come in your seat. Jesus is standing in front of you with his hands on your shoulders. He sees your tears. He feels a tension in your shoulders. Feels a tension in your jaw. He says, I love you. I love you. You've been running for too long. You've been avoiding for too long. Sometimes the last place you want to come is to me. But I'm here. Come, fall into my arms. I will give you rest. Spend a couple minutes just coming to Jesus in that way. He'll carry you. Yeah, let's pray for a moment before I pray for us. Father in heaven, we acknowledge today that we are tired people in a tired world. But there is a better way of doing life. And it's through the invitation of Jesus to come to him. <coughs> and so, Lord Jesus, we do. It's one step. That's all it takes. We come to our humble king. You're gentle and lowly in heart. When we do, we find rest for our souls. For your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Father, we come to your son Jesus to find the promised rest that we need. We pray that you would carry us. May we find joy to the uttermost. Peace at the deepest level. 
and freedom from all the things that enslave us as we come to you. Lord, we need you. We acknowledge we're tired. We come to you for the rest that we need. Thank you so much. We love you because you've loved us first, because you are the perfect friend, and your invitation remains for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.